Folks, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. I have an opportunity uh, that was uh, foisted on me by the great Dr. Rob Feinfield regarding um, uh, Food Forward, which is a uh, organization that feeds the, the hungry uh, in Los in the greater Los Angeles area, and uh, doing it around a, a concert photo of uh, from the concert uh, for Bangladesh. Um, that featured my guest as one of the drummers, iconic lineup, members of the Beatles and uh, people like Eric Clapton and uh, Leon Russell. And uh, I hope this uh, this interview will go a long way towards uh, finding a new home or a home for the 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 iconic photo, and uh, and we can make some people feel better and a little more inspired about life. Jim Keltner, welcome back to the Jake Feinberg Show. Well, thank you, Jake. It's good to be back. It's great to hear you, man. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you, this is what you told me, um, and uh, you said the first time I played with Bob Dylan was in New York with Leon, Carl Radel, and Jesse Ed Davis. That was mm -hmm. one of my all-time favorite rhythm sections. We played Watching the River Flow. I was sitting there on the drums watching Leon groove his butt off, watching Dylan standing right up against the wall mouthing the lyrics. Now, I think that was 1971. Was that the same time as the concert of Bangladesh? Uh, it must have been right around that time, yeah. It sounds like it was. Just because when Dylan showed up at the concert for Bangladesh, Cliff Lipson told me that nobody knew if he was going to come or not. They knew he was in New York, but nobody knew if he was going to show up. Yeah, I think... I think uh... This is this is a concert for George. You talking about, or, or, or are you talking about Bangladesh? Yeah, well, the concert for the concert for Bangladesh is the, the one that George Harrison put on, but Dylan obviously showed up and played that night. Yeah, and, well, I think I think George probably knew that he was. You know, George and, and Bob were very close, and uh, and you know, not not many people uh, that I know anyway say you know, can say that about being that close with Bob, but I think George was for sure. And uh, probably, probably George had, I'm, I'm certain, I'm almost certain that it was, it was George. It wouldn't have been some kind of form of management to call Bob. I'm sure it was George. Had you, and then it might have been, yeah. uh, it might not have been real clear necessarily a hundred percent that he was going to be able to make it, but. I mean, I don't know. I'm just guessing. I don't know that. Absolutely. No, I mean, I I think, Kelder, I, I mean, you're going to have to hit me to this, but I'd like you to talk a little bit about um, the first time you met uh, John Lennon, Ringo, or were the Beatles, essentially. Like, did you meet them all at one time, or, or was it in separate occasions? No, it was uh, separate occasions. Uh, the first Beatle I met was John, I think, pretty sure. And uh, and then George, and then Ringo, and then Paul. I think that's. I think you know. You know. I don't, no, you know what it is. I'm I, trying. I'm trying to figure out the nexus because you know I'm looking at your studio albums. Cal Jader does back rock. Claire Fisher. Uh, but then in 70, you were doing a Lennon record. And I, was that 
because of uh, Phil Spector. I'm just trying to figure out the nexus of how you connected with John originally. Yeah, that was it. It, it was that's why I've always said that it's heartbreaking to me the the trajectory of Phil Spector's career right. life. Right. You know, right? The guy, uh, the guy. You know, depending on on your feelings about him and all that, you know, you'll call him a genius or you'll call him, you know, a, a, a disturbed individual or whatever, you know. But but the but the fact is that. Uh, for me, um, he, he opened the door for me and, uh, and it was big wide swung open. And just because, uh, I picked up the phone that one morning, um, and he said, well, do you want to come and play on John's record? And I said, yeah, I'll be there. And I got, uh, my buddy to, uh, loan me his drums and in fact he picked me up and <laughs> that's he, awesome he picked me up in his car had his little <laughs> his drums in there mini cooper little set of yellow gretsch drums and uh and uh and he drove me to the to ascot you know he, it was it was a pleasure for him to do you know he's driving to john lennon's uh house and so it was fun for all of us involved um, now let me ask you a question. You uh, obviously you didn't. You actually didn't have your. Own, you didn't own your own kit at that time, or you needed a borrowed kit. Well, I owned some drums, but they were in Los Angeles. Right. You know this. This was in in uh, in um, in Ascot. You know, I was uh, I was moving between London and Surrey. I was staying with with Clapton at at that time in in Surrey. Oh wow! And uh, we were recording. We were driving in every day, late afternoon to uh, to uh, Olympic in uh, in Barnes, which is outside of London, and uh, so that's where I was staying. And then John's uh, house was in Ascot, uh, Ascot, and uh, so you know I didn't really have any drums at the time, and it wasn't. Uh, you know, it wasn't the days when, when I would say, um, you know, I'll bring. You know, I mean, it it didn't matter to me about drums. You know, I could play on anybody's drums. I don't think I realized though that you actually lived over there for a while. No, I wasn't living there. Yeah. I was I was there. I was staying there because of you know. I think it, it was. I. I it's, it's, it's stupid to not know this stuff. No, like it's not. I, it's going back, and you, you haven't been thinking all about this in years. Yeah. you know, it, it's it's going back a long way. But man. Siri, like and you're 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 you, like, how did you with Clapton? How did that collaboration? I mean, how did you yeah, wind up there? See, I had already met Eric mm -hmm. with Delaney and Bonnie. That's right. You know, he fell in love with Delaney and Bonnie. The the whole thing, all all of us, and all that. And so Eric was hanging with us all the time, you know, and we did little tours I did with him before I got myself fired. Uh, we, uh, but you we played, you played, you, you played, uh, in Clapton's band. No, no, no. Delaney and Bonnie's and Delaney's, band. but you got fired from Delaney and Bonnie. Did, did he see yeah. you, did he see you in America or did you connect with him originally? Like, did he got, come see you guys at the whiskey a go-go or something or some, Oh, I, you know what? I, I, I never was absolutely, I mean, uh, 
I think there's some books. Bobby Whitlock's got a book out there that explains when Eric came on board with Lenny and Bonnie and all of that. Right. That whole thing. And uh, all I knew was that uh, that I met him early on, and it was in L.A., and it was, you know, the great Eric Clapton, and everybody was knocked out, and he was a nice guy, and he, he uh, instead of him riding in his own limo like uh, like Ginger and, uh, <laughs> and uh, what's his name, uh, Jack, you know, he, he chose to ride with us on the funky bus. <laughs> so we had different feelings about Eric, you know. I mean, I, I just remember feeling really good about Eric. I remember feeling like he was, he was just a real good humble cat yeah solid cat and, yeah and 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 from get he was easy to play with fun to play with uh and uh and you couldn't seem to go wrong when you were playing with him uh that that's what i remember and uh so we got along we all got along real real well in those days and then you know i i made a a fatal error i uh i told delaney basically i got angry with delaney because he wouldn't let me get a sub uh i wanted to go back to new york and do a uh a record with lena horn and gabor and mm. um and he and i said hey delaney uh you know i was i had it all worked out where i was going to leave at 6 p.m but this we were doing this tv show called harper valley's t harper harper valley pta i've seen the records all the time Something i know like those that. records dude. and uh Unbelievable. and so yeah so we were we were we were just doing a little bit on the on that uh on that tv show and uh and it took all day in those days that's the way tv was and so it got down to where i, I was i was gonna miss my flight if i didn't go so i I told Delaney, listen, I got Jim Gordon or I got Jimmy Carstein or Chuck Blackwell. Any one of those guys can take my place. And he said, you're the drummer. You got to play. And, you know, he he kind of he made me angry. But years later, when he would apologize, he would he was always telling me years later, he said, I damn it, Jimmy, that's the worst thing I ever did was fire you. And I said uh, and I'd always tell him, Delaney, you had no choice. I left you no choice, man. And so, you know, uh, anyway, I, I always wanted him to understand that uh, that it, it was it was a bad move on my part, although. Why? I, I, I mean, wanna... all I'm saying is it's so at the time you were like, OK, I'm hitting the road. You just you, you were like, yeah, I said, I, I got to go do this thing. Yeah, you right. know, it was only a couple of days, but uh, he called me uh, later at in my hotel room in New York. And he said, you don't have to come back early for us. You've been replaced. Mm. And I felt like jumping out the window, you know. Yeah, was, that, that feeling like, that you hit the bottom. It was, there, yeah. it was a great gig for I loved their music and I loved I couldn't believe that I had gotten myself fired. But then I, I was smart enough to know why. And I let that be a, a very valuable lesson for me. So, so, so your okay. I want to go back to this. So, your 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 friend drives you out to Lennon's house. Can you just talk about the experience? That was the first time you met John. Uh, I met John and Yoko was uh, when I was to go out there and play um, on a song called uh, uh, "Don't Want to Be a Soldier, Mama," and 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 but the thing. 
the thing is, for that to be correct, which it is correct, that's what I was there for that morning, was to play on Don't Be a Soldier Mama. And the reason I was there to do that was because I had been with John and Phil in the control room uh, while Jim Gordon was out in the room trying to overdub drums on the track that they had laid down for uh, Don't Want to Be a Soldier Mama. And Jimmy, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy was one of my heroes. So this has nothing to do with his ability. This was completely the fact that John uh, was wanting something different. Hmm. Hmm. And Phil, Phil's job as producer was to try to get, you know, to get it to happen for him. And, um, and as I said, they had Jimmy there. And Jimmy apparently had already played on maybe one or two of his songs. This is on Imagine, the record Imagine. I think mm-hmm. Jimmy played on one or two, two of the other songs. And, um, and then, so, the, the mystery for me is why I was there in the control room with them. I, I'm still not certain about that. But... Um, Where were your other choices to be? I mean, you weren't you weren't going to go in the studio where Gordon was. I mean, where else were you going to go? No, so 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 what it was, I was in the control room, and they were and we were all watching Jimmy struggle to to figure out what they wanted, and and Phil turned to me at one point and said, "Do you know what we're talking about? Can you do that?" And I said, "Yes," and he said, "Well, go out." And I said, "No, I'm not going to do it right now. I, I'm not going to do that." Um, Wow. Because I just I couldn't go out there in front of Jimmy. No, I think and, I respect that respect and do that. It's well, respect. yeah, respect absolutely. And, uh, and just it just was wrong, right? You know, it just was wrong. And so, uh, so they booked me for later, and I'm not sure I was like the next day or two days later, or something like that. And then when I came in, I was expecting to play that song, and instead, the first song we played was "Jealous Guy." So I was taken off guard, and and I and it and it knocked me out. It was so beautiful, the little song, you know. Uh, Klaus played; it's just his perfect style for him. And Nicky Hopkins was like a the, like a like the epitome of the English garden. You could just smell it, let alone <laughs> look at it, and see it in your mind. You know, when he played, it just was an English garden. Absolutely. And, uh, so yeah, God rest his soul. But, uh, so he, uh, so John, you know, sang it real nice and and he loved it and and Phil loved it. Everybody loved it. And so everybody was happy. Uh, and then, uh, I did, uh, uh, just on my own, I think I'm pretty sure. You know, this is what's embarrassing. I don't recall whether we played it live or I played to the track that was already laid down for mm. uh, I Don't Want to Be a Soldier. What, is your, what does your gut tell you? I, I, think, I, I think my gut tells me that, uh, that I played to the, to the, to the pre-record, mm-hmm. although it might, it might not have been because... Because I remember that it was real easy to do, and that that tells me that it was live. All of us playing live, because um, you know things can move around. 
the the um the song that he you got thrown off by that was not something he even told you about he just gave you did, were there any chord changes i mean was i mean was there like or did you guys start the beat and he just started to sing what do you mean on jealous guy yes no they had they had uh he had chord charts for everybody but it was just such a simple little song i don't there are many times when I don't look at a chart right. if, if I if sure. the song just speaks to me and it's real simple. Jealous guy is like just you know so basic. It's and and you know and it's and it's so John in that it it uh, it just you know tele, teleports you there and and um, you know each each uh, little verse and chorus you know is just so symmetrical and. And wonderful, you know, there was no chart needed. I think maybe Klaus, but Klaus didn't use charts either. Klaus never used charts. I don't think Klaus <laughs> read music. Klaus, it was a maniac. Dude, his his piano uh, teacher had to put a dog collar on his neck so he would look at the music. Uh, you know, the guy was out of control, man. Brilliant, brilliant cat. But you, so yeah. you, you. You 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 work on a couple of those tracks. Was there um, you had you worked with you must have worked with Spectre with uh, prior to in the states? I guess with Delaney and Bonnie, maybe. I mean, you already no. had you had did you what, did you have a relationship with him before? No. Wow. No, Phil. The you know Phil Spectre was. You know, that was Phil Spector. I mean, the only thing that saved me from being like, wow, I'm working with Phil Spector was the fact that I was working with fucking John Lennon. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was so, like you know, a little bit higher, yeah. So when you think, when you yeah. think, you know, when you think about being in the room with John Lennon and Phil Spector together, it was, uh, it, it was, you know, I was very, very thankful that uh later that uh that i had that i had real good re real good um trust in uh, in in human nature uh the way people the way i read people i had a good i i, I got that from my dad mm -hmm. i think and uh so i i felt really good about them as long as i was delivering uh, that's the way it, that's what I had had just enough studio experience at that point to know that that's it. That's the key. If you're delivering, everybody loves you. Everything is fine. <laughs> and, um, I did. Know, yeah. I did. If you, if you're not, if you're not getting it, if it's not happening, everybody's going to be real sweet and you're going to be gone. And that's all there is to it. But that, I mean, that didn't never happen to you. I mean, that was always the fear but it never manifested. Well, it, uh, I never, but this is what I'm saying. I never feared. I never had that fear. Uh, it, it's, it's, I, I ran, I ran, see, this is the thing that like you hear people tell stories about Spectre. I never had anything but fantastic experiences with Phil. And the reason is obvious is because I was always either with John or George or, you know, Leonard Cohen or somebody like mm -hmm. that, you know, and and so so Phil but John and George put the stamp of of righteousness you know uh, for me 
with Phil. So every time I worked with Phil after that, it was like it was like a little brotherhood between me and him. You know, <laughs> none of the other cats in, in the room. Wow, that's a sick. Just, that's a great bond. You know, yeah, yeah. Or with John, mm-hmm. you know, and George. Like yeah, that. Sure. So, so I had a. So that's the that's like I said in the beginning here. That's that's what's so heartbreaking to me is the fact that uh, that. Uh, you know, I I I would loved I would have loved to to have had a, a an old friendship with with Phil, you know, to blossom at, at this age and everything. But it wasn't meant to be. He he did have too many demons. He he had uh, obviously, you know, he 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 fought all kinds of stuff. No telling what it was. You know, I'm no I'm no expert at that stuff, and not many people are. Mm-hmm. So people just have opinions and things and and, uh, and strong opinions, you know, about somebody like Spectre. But as I said, well, I, it's like it's like I, that. It's like that little feet tune. You know, time loves a hero. Like, do you does over time? You feel his his reputation has been sullied. I mean, to me, well, of course, yeah, of course he. You know, of course he he killed a woman. He killed a human being. You know, that's and that's that's. That's unforgivable for a lot of people, and and especially then when you put everything together, because that's what you know. That's what happens is once you've done something horrible like that, then all the other things, whatever else you've done, that's been could be marginal or yeah, it's all magnified. Yeah. yeah, it all starts to pile on, and then and then then you see a picture emerge of this person, and and it could be accurate or not, but it doesn't matter at that point, you know. Poor Phil, you know, I just, I just always remember feeling bad, really, really bad that, that like he didn't have control over himself. He he just didn't have the control, you know, but, but many of us in those days when we were doing the stupid things that we were doing, we, we, we didn't have control either. It's just that, you know, we didn't, uh, we didn't end up in a, in a horrible situation like he ended up in. and who knows so who knows what well i mean uh, you know I, 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 you've told me that before i think that um you know i think it's i know where you stand on that i have to can you honestly i have a prediction i believe that you did not like you hated the beatles because you were a jazz snob no, I, I didn't hate the Beatles. I don't. That's too strong I, a word. I didn't want to. I didn't want to like them like everybody was. What is it? Okay, explain what you so you. I mean, but, but also like, from can you just talk about being that you were you and Stinson were trying to be Philly Joe and Paul Chambers, all these cats. No, Phil Albert wasn't trying to be anybody. Albert was. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry, Albert, dude. No, Albert I know. Was I know. Mingus. Mingus it, was his hero. Well, Mingus was Mingus, but I mean, Stinson and, was Stinson, dude. and 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 so he was he was Charlie Mingus. There was no doubt about it. And when when the when the guys when the real cats yeah. when he when Eric, when Albert got back to New York and those those guys heard him play, you know, Miles and all of them, they all wanted him in their bands, man. They all wanted to play with this little white, you know. And that's all there was to it. He was just bad to the bone. And there was, there was, it wasn't any question um, about like, well, he's young, he's white, he's, 
you know, any of that. He he played. He played. He had the strength and the tone and the sound of Charles Mingus, and he had the facility of a Scott Lafaro. Wow. And he had the beautiful, beautiful time feel of Ron Carter. So he had everything. Mm. He had everything, man. He had everything. He 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 listened to Paul Chambers and all those records. He. He listened to all those records when he was a kid, when he was coming up. And by the time he was like 22 or something, or no, shit, what was, he was, uh, I think, 1967, I don't know, I hate trying to do the math. He was just a freaking kid. And he was playing, by that point, he, he had uh, Miles, he was subbing for Ron Carter. And Miles wanted him in the band. Yeah, no. Swallow told me uh, he 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 borrowed uh, Stinson borrowed his bass to go to Boston. He he died up there, and uh, I think I'm not sure if Swallow ever got it. But I mean, he was connected to Coriel, all the cats. But 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 uh, you know what? My question, my I wanted you to just talk wow. about like Ringo specifically. Not I mean because they were original songwriters. Looking back in hindsight, before you got to know him personally and were able to, to play with him, what was brilliant about his his feel on those records, as that that even a a bop purist could can appreciate? Well, well, first of all, you know you gotta you gotta appreciate the fact that. That Ringo, like Charlie, uh, mm-hmm. happened to land uh, with with some guys that were unusual, we'll say, unusually gifted, um, and so so they had that going for him, Charlie and Ringo, and uh, but then uh, you also have to remember that at that time Ringo as well as Charlie, both those guys were known to be the best drummers uh, in in that area or that genre, whatever. I, I don't know what it was, but they all said uh, of, of Ringo, they said Ringo was the baddest cat. Everybody wanted him <laughs> in their band because every time he played with somebody, uh, their band lifted up and it just sounded incredible. Wow. So when when he hit it with the Beatles for the first time, they knew immediately, and so they did everything in their power to keep him, because they had gone through many drummers, uh, the Beatles. And uh, and from what I understand, the same thing happened with Charlie. The Stones had had uh, quite a few drummers, and when Charlie played with them for the first time, they 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 felt it click, and they did everything in the world to try to keep him happy. Um, you know, because he was a, he wanted to swing. He wanted to play in these, in some jazz groups or uh, big bands stuff or whatever. That's what, it, that's where his heart was. Absolutely. And you can hear that and, in the tunes and they're in the rock in their own right. way, you know? But now with Ringo, right? Ringo was a pure rocker. He was a pure rocker. Pure rocker. And he, he listened to the American rock and roll stuff, just like everybody did. And uh, 
And then he had Lennon and McCartney and Harrison writing songs and playing, because they were all doing it too. You know, George was just such a badass rock guitar player. He he had all of that stuff down. He had all that rockabilly stuff. He had all that early, early rock and roll crazy ass stuff george could do all of that and yet there was this other george <laughs> that nobody even had a clue about until later and um, so they were just unusual in that you know they were they were a gift from above you know they just those guys came to they, they were you know when ringo um when it started to click with with them, Ringo. First of all, they became really good friends. Uh, Ringo loved, you know, and to know John is to know that, you know, Ringo would have loved him, which he did. Mm. And John Lennon always told me. I, when I say always, he must have told me several times on several different occasions that were pertinent to the situation. He said. Ringo will always be my favorite, my favorite drummer. <laughs> Ringo will always be my favorite drummer, and uh, and I and I always loved hearing hearing him say that because I would say immediately, I said, "Me too." <laughs> all I all I wanted to do during that time was to be able to play as good as he did with, on songs, like on a song, right? On a great song, and. Uh, you know, uh, he he had a he had a feel that I emulated, and so did every other drummer practically in the world at that time. You know, you couldn't get away from Beatles if you wanted to. Beatle music was everywhere on every kind of radio. So it, it would be considered pop music, I guess, right? Well, yeah, it, whatever it's because I mean, it's it, it. it's very it was very hip at the time. Um, when you say his feel, I, w I was watching the video of Wawa, the song, the George song that you played in Bangladesh, and some beautiful video of you and Ringo playing double drums. And I, as best you can, I, I just, as far as like, what was your role? It, it, you almost are playing like a jazz drummer. Like Ringo's playing rock, he's rocking straight ahead. And you're playing. Can you just talk about what your role was specifically? My my role was to to play double drums with Ringo, and what that meant to me was to to not get in the way of his feel. Uh, the sound, I figured, I had already become educated enough to know that. The sound live on a stage is meaningless. It's going to be whatever the uh, yeah, right. whatever the house is about. How right. many people are there? Right. The people at the board, you know, making this, uh, you know, manipulating the microphone. All kinds of factors in that. So I, I didn't even consider the sound very much, a, a, a bit. But the thing for me was I did not want to uh, play in such a way that it would. It would destroy that beauty, the thing that I loved about Ringo so much. And so as we started to play, I realized, okay, what's wrong here is I got to stop playing the hi-hat because he owns the hi-hat. Right. Uh, 
on on all the Beatle records on you know that's and and just in general the way he plays hi-hat is is beautiful that's one of the things that we all love so much we don't know necessarily maybe you don't know if you're not a drummer but you know his his use of the hi-hat was brilliant uh and so um so i discovered that right away it was one of the first uh, uh things i i took care of was to to make sure that i didn't uh uh, play much hi hat at all. You felt like the after so, the afternoon show, like you figured that out between the the two different shows. No, I I don't know when I figured it out, but it was early enough to, you know, to make a difference. Uh, I I uh, I I had already begun to be affected by Levon because I was hanging out with Levon a lot, and so I. I was doing naturally. It wasn't that I was copying it. I was actually doing it naturally, that lifting the the stick off the hi hat on two and four, and um, and that was that was a real. Since I had already started to do that, it was easy then for me to even play less hi hat, um, so that Ringo could have the 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 primary hi hat. Right, and then after that. It was good because I didn't play. I played kind of at the same level as Ringo. When Jimmy Gordon, this is Ringo telling me, when G, when he played with Jimmy Gordon and a few other guys, I think, I, uh, they they played real strong. And and so, you know, bless their hearts, they they either didn't know or whatever. But you know that's not you. You can't cover Ringo up. You, if you do that, then why do you have why do you have Ringo there? Why don't you just have those guys do it? Absolutely. And so, uh, so that was a good thing in my favor was that I kind of played at a level, a volume level that was similar to Ringo's. So, uh, so that wasn't a problem. And then also, and more most importantly, uh, I had been so. Uh, accustomed to listening to to Levon and Ringo, that my time feel was just a little on the backside, just like Ringo. So when we played together, like with the backbeats, there are many times where I was blown away because I couldn't hear. I thought, wait a minute, does it sound like two drums? <laughs> right. And yet w- we were that tight. And uh, and so fill wise playing fills and stuff, uh, exactly. I did kind of the same exactly. Thing. I tried to stay away from too many fills. I did a, f- a couple of little things like with the floor tom. I I remember now uh, on uh, uh, I don't know waiting on uh, one one of the big George kind of up tempo things. Uh, um, and and I made that be like a little part of the thing. And otherwise. Um, we just we just barreled through, and then what what little what few fills there was, um, it would be Ringo, and then I might come in at the end, or I might say it's you know it was very very uh, the idea being to not uh, smother any part of Ringo's uh, playing feel. Uh, sound groove you know 
Well, what about the idea of just having, like you say, play counter rhythms or or play acts? And but I mean, well, I don't. I didn't play any counter. Yeah, I don't. I don't mean it like. Yeah, that would have been. That would have probably come later had we, you know, done a lot of stuff together. No, but I mean, like you added, you added some extra punch because it was a state. I mean, it was MSG. It was a big place, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, without hearing, uh, I've become so. uh, yeah, if, if we were listening, uh, you know, and then talking, then I, I could I could answer or I could comment on some of the things that you're talking about. But not, uh, you know, not hearing it, uh, I can't really, I can't remember no, the comment it, no, too much. It's a, it, it, yeah, no, it, like, you, how did you, was that the first time that you had, Played double drums with Ringo. Yeah, I believe so. Sure, it wouldn't have been any other time. I think it was. Yeah, Bangladesh was the first time. Bangladesh was the first time. So, um, can you talk about how you met George Harrison? I think I I, uh, I really believe that I met George for the first time in the hallway, um, coming out of the bathroom at John's. Uh, uh, they, they call it mansion in Ascot, um, you know, and we were recording. Imagine was mostly recorded in his bedroom and it's a little room. And, uh, and in the bathroom was right next door. And, uh, Alan White's vibe vibraphone mm. was in the bathroom because that's where it sounded the best. Wow. Made it very difficult to pee. <laughs> I had to jockey around, you know. But coming out of that bathroom one one time, I remember seeing George walking down the hallway, and I think that's where I first met him. Uh, was this during the Imagine session, or this was after? The, the, this is during the Imagine sessions. And so you guys uh, developed a rapport musically but i didn't see him work i didn't see him play or anything he was there i think overdubbing and stuff right and then at a certain point you went back to the states went back home and then when did you reconnect i guess with with george that that you know to work on actually uh the, the album and to with george yeah had you been in the studio with him before concert for bangladesh had you recorded with him or only lennon Man, you know, Jake, I'm I'm really sorry. We if, if I I guess I need warning for certain things because like if, if I had my book in front of me, I could just I could look and tell you. But well, I'm yeah, just yeah. for some reason I just can't ever get cr- chronology together. I you know it's just I don't know what came, bef- you know I I can't. It's all kind of a little bit of a blur. If I see it in my book, I can tell you. What it's okay. Uh-huh. What what it's really fine. I mean, what what uh, what do you remember about like being the cause of the concert? Do you remember being impacted? Like, were you part of a so? Were you were you aware of what was happening in that country? Well, I you know yes, I was. I was. We were all very well aware because George was uh, George was so passionate, uh, uh, you know, about his. Uh, his feeling for uh, for Ravi and, and Ravi's people and his love of all things India. Um, yeah, George was um, George was 
very clear on why we were there. You know, there were a lot of people suffering. And and in that song, the lyrics to his song, Bangladesh, mm-hmm. it just uh, is, is beautiful. And I love the groove. I always love the groove on it. We cut the track for Bangladesh in L.A. I remember that. I do remember that. And it was just me playing on it. Uh, so the next time we played it, like at the concert, it was Ringo and me together. Interesting. But uh, but Bangladesh, the track, uh, it was, and I think it was Leon, and and we all did it in L.A. And it was, you know, it was for a great cause, obviously. Uh, George, you know, George was so... George was so... Um, uh, he... His um, love for for the uh, the the Indian I don't know what to call it the the he I used to he used to straighten me out on stuff like that he would say he had just so he was so easy to go like it would, you know blah 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 and I go oh yeah right because I was so clumsy talking about the the, the you know Krishna the faith the, the yeah he, so you know but yeah so he he was very articulate about you talk about the Vedanta and, yeah and yeah and he was really articulate about it and it was beautiful and I and I, I remember that you know. Um, my mom uh, raised me, you know, to to believe in in what Jesus said, you know, uh, about everything, and and I didn't, you know, that's you know, your mom is is usually the one. My dad, you know, wasn't really uh, he was always working, so he he didn't, you know, he didn't figure any of that kind of stuff. But my mom. And she had so many sisters, and there were so many cousins, and all that. And but it was interesting. We we all didn't go to the same church, you know. In mm. fact, the the only little church that I remember was like a little Mexican church, and and there was no English spoken, so I, it didn't mean a thing to me, you know, because my mom <laughs> didn't teach us Spanish. She I didn't understand. want us to speak Spanish because we were very un-Mexican looking. Right. My sister and I. Right. Uh, my little sister that died would have been more. She was. She would have looked more like my mom, but my sister and me, we ended up looking more like my dad. Very fair, you know, uh, and uh, and so she liked that, and she didn't want us to to speak Spanish and call attention to any of that. They the 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 Mendozas. Uh, my family, the Mendozas and cousins, the Cervantes, they all, the older people, the aunts and the uncles, they all, they all were, when when we got together, we we, we would see them like on weekends and stuff and, and unbelievable food that spoiled me for Mexican food for the rest of my life. There's no... <laughs> I can't find it anywhere. That Any, you'll never find it anywhere. No. And so, so, but all of that, but yet when they went out into the world, like in, you know, and they had to do their gigs and stuff, mm-hmm. they were, they knew how to, to not call attention to themselves. Okay. Uh, hmm. And that, that was a big, big thing. And so as a kid, that meant nothing to me. Later on growing up, I realized what it was they went through. And, and then you have, then you realize 
what the black folks had to go through. If that's the way the Mexicans were, were you know, doing it, the black people had to be even more careful. Had to be careful what who they looked at, how they looked at them. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. They, you know, and it was it was uh, it was a different time, and so so um, um, so anyway, I, I went off course. No, you didn't. You, you were talking so, about the Vedantas and being clumsy. Yeah, you know, yeah. with, with George, yeah. when George would talk to me about about his faith, you know, uh, and Krishna and all, it sounded really familiar. And then, and he could, and he knew uh, enough to tell me. He would say he would compare, and he would say, "Well, you know, Christ did this, and Christ said that, and and on and on." And so, it just all kind of made sense to me. And uh, and then there would always be somebody that would go, "Well, you know, yeah, but you know," and then try to get real dogmatic about this and that. And I never liked that anyway, because I think my dad was like that. My dad. He said, you know, it's he's just supposed to argue about religion, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very you know, personal why, why thing, you know? It's a personal argument. What are you yeah. trying to do, you know? And then other people say, well, you're supposed to try to get people to, you know, to see it your way or whatever. And I don't know. It it never, it. I always understood from when I would hear a great uh, preacher I would always understand what he was doing and what he was saying, and and I always and it felt good to me. And then I I realized later on, you know, that uh, yeah, some people have that gift, That's you know. Right. That's right. Uh, That's but right. it's it's when the average Joe's tries to be like that, all he does is alienate, <laughs> piss somebody off, <laughs> and and do the opposite. Absolutely, you know, it's not authentic. He's exactly, to, he's a, trying he's, to set out to do. He's a fraud. And so yeah. anyway, so. I've I always considered that George was a tremendous asset to me in my life, hmm. faith-wise. Uh, he helped me to understand how really, uh, you know, that that love is the answer. Love is 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 truly the answer to the whole thing. And and you can have people then right away go, oh yeah, well cool, that's cool, you know, but uh, that ain't all of it. And and you can and you can say, yeah, right, yeah, I'm sure that's not, you know, all of it, but but that's the one thing that Jesus said very clearly is that you know to love your neighbor is 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 one that one and to put don't put anything else before God. Those two commandments were, you know, that that said it all. That's what Jesus said. You don't have to worry about all the other commandments really that much. If you can do those, you pretty much got it. You know, um, those. He said on those two commandments hang all the prophecy. So, so that made sense to me. Well, no, what you're trying to say is this is really important because the first time I connected with you, Keltner, I was like the one thing that I felt about you regardless of your faith, what you believe in, I'm like, the dude knows, knows how to love. He's a, he's, he, he has self-love and he loves other people. And so would you say that without George in your life, you maybe would have never have had been introduced to that side of, of faith? Well, I would, I certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have, have, uh, have uh, been secure 
like I got later on, you know, like I, I didn't, I, I never, I, I just never felt like there was a rub or anything. You know, there were some, some people who, who I could feel they were uncomfortable hmm. with, you know, having to hear so much talk about God and various ways and so forth and all that, you know, cause there, there were a lot of people who, who, um, during our time as young people in our generation, there were a lot of people who were struggling with uh, the idea of God, you know, so there was a lot of, I, I don't like to use the word atheist because I don't, I'm not sure that, that there was enough, uh, enough there to actually qualify as atheistic. I think it was more searching and questioning. And that's exactly what, the human mind is is there for mm-hmm. that's what god created the mind for you know not to conform but to be into be absolutely think, there's so think, much more yeah, yeah there's so much more and 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 anyway so so you you know you can say oh look it's this is about a personal journey and all that but all those things all those things uh are are uh, there's truth in all those things you know and so uh, to me, like I said, uh, I, I think that the, the key to, to, to being, you know, a good citizen on the, on the planet is to, is to try to be as, as, try to, try to show as much love as you can try to sow it, you know, try to spread it. And, uh, and it's like just the other day, hmm. I had a, a fender, it wasn't a fender bender, it was a fender scraper. I, I pulled out uh, in front of uh, a little truck. Uh, it, it was, LA traffic is unbelievable right now. And so <laughs> it's you, never good. Yeah. In every direction, <laughs> and still a little truck got there before, and um, you know, a little pickup truck. Yeah. And so I, it was like a virtual scrape. We got out of the car. Uh, the guy was a real nice guy, and and uh, he had his mom in the car and his son, and they all got out of the car and looked to see what was going on. And I I took pictures of uh, the damage to his truck and the damage to my car, and and it was it was it was truly like a scrape. Right. There was no collision. It, it was, a, and so and so the guy was real nice. He was a Peruvian man, and. Uh, and so we're talking, and he said, do you want to go through the insurance? Maybe it doesn't look like there's anything here to it, so we, if you don't want to go through the insurance, you, you know a good body shop. I said, I don't know any body shops. I haven't done this in a long time, so why don't you go to the body shop and then send me a, a thing, and if it's not too much, I'll, I'll just go ahead and pay for it. I called my insurance man, and he goes, no, no, no. That's a very bad idea. Mm. Uh, you, you, that's why you're insured, Jimmy. And so I said, okay, good. I got you. I got you. So, um, uh, anyway, suffice to say, after, after all this, talking with this really nice man, and I had a few uh, texts back and forth, you know, thank you, Jimmy. And I told him, I gave him the name of my adjuster and all that. Then I find out that some attorney, uh, what do you call it? What do they call him? The... A personal injury yeah, attorney, accident attorney yeah, has, sure. has gotten a hold of these people. Oh no! And oh, now they're God. all uh, going to see doctors, and and so it's all a big bullshit kind of thing. And and it just and I was telling you know 
the the people I was saying, you know, it's just it's uh it it's so disturbing. Yeah, I'm really it, sorry it, about it, that. Yeah. You, you lose you lose faith in the humanity. It's it's like that's what this stuff is meant to do is to make you lose faith in humanity and not not see your brother as your 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 keeper anymore. You know, your be your brother's keeper anymore. He's just he's your freaking enemy. He's going to take advantage of you the first chance he gets. But you can't live your life like that. You know, these are are things that happen in the world, and you just you gotta you can That's not going to make me. I I you know if I if this thing goes to trial like they told me. It it won't go to trial. It, they'll settle for something. I mean, and, and I, don't, don't it, even don't even do not. This happened to me once before. I think it would. It dude, just let them send their paperwork. It's all a bunch of. It'll just float away. Nonsense, nonsense. And right. the, and the, and I want to be very clear. You were you've been very clear with me. Miracles happen every day. Just you you perform things not even consciously. Uh, you're helping people out. You just stay on the righteous path, and you'll be cool. And I, I mean, it's just it's. It, why is there such a uh, God? I don't even know if I want to open this Pandora's box, but you know, just the the concept of love, and people say, "Oh, yeah, okay, that's so wishy washy," and you know, it's about you got to be. Uh, what's yeah, the, you got to be hard, hard, and hard like, in this and, world I mean, because, uh, but somehow that be, becomes like run over you. Yeah, it becomes like, but hard becomes intolerant, uh, like not not loving thy neighbor, just sort of, almost, like non. I don't know. It's 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 not. It's certainly not what guys like George professed in his own way. I mean, I, I think that that was clearly some divine exposure for you. I mean, that's uh, if yeah. it shaped your worldview. Yeah, it, it certainly helped me to understand, you know, that uh, that God is big. God is. I think. I think really what I say is God is love, and uh, because that's what that's what's in the Bible, actually. Well, no, you, you, you wax poetic in, on this. Mate. I don't you, know if it's yeah. in the Quran or not either, but it's but 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 certainly in the uh, in the Bible, uh, uh, the Judeo Christian uh, uh, thing is all about God is love, and so. You know that that pretty much takes care of it there for me. I think that I don't. You know, I don't have to. Absolutely, I don't have to go into details about this <laughs> and that and everything. You know, this. I think you know God. God has our back if we, if he, and and the other thing is what I like knowing about God is that he knows our heart better than we know our hearts. So mm -hmm. he knows if I'm trying to live right. And um, and if I'm not, it's going to be me who pays the price. And he's not he's not a deliverer of punishment. It's me. I will call you know. The, and and in the Indian religion, they call it karma. Uh, right. You know, we can we can make bad choices and suffer them. You know, so. Uh, or we can, uh, you know, we can do the right thing. Anyway, so no, I, I that think, was yeah, yeah that that uh, that leads into the to this question is, um, before the concert, uh, before the concert for Bangladesh, uh, Ravi and Ali Akbar Khan opened 
the show. Uh, did you did you hang with Ravi and Alu Raka? Did you did you ever hang with those cats? No, not in a in a traditional hang sense. No, no, I mean, we, I mean, we were, not 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 hanging at, at you know Lagos's house, but I'm talking like yeah, no, we yeah. but we were at, at dinners and things. Can you talk yeah. about like I mean those guys? Did you you never did you play with Al Raka at all? No, not not in that sense. You know, uh, <laughs> did you jam with them? I mean, I'm, I got no. this was like I was curious. I'm like, if Ravi opened the show, I'm like, no doubt that Keltner's rubbing. Rubbing elbows with him. No, dude. it was just beautiful to watch and to absorb. It was incredible, and and Alaraka was he did he wasn't real good with English, right? And I'm certainly was not good with the uh, with the Indian language. So uh, <laughs> it was basically uh, it was basically a lot of body language, and it was good, you know. Right. His smile, my he knew that my smile meant a lot, and and I knew you know vice versa. So yeah. It was it was good, you know. Ravi, I just remember Ravi was so beautiful, and Ala Rocco was older. Uh, he was beautiful, and God, his hands. It was just so. It was amazing. It really, truly was a, a, an amazing thing when they were on. When they just, they just every time they hit it together, it was incredible. Yeah. It was beautiful, and and I loved. Uh, I loved how George just soaked it all up. You know, George, George just, he lived and breathed it. He, he, um, he, he studied, you know, with, with Ravi and, uh, he was, he was like an actual student. He, 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 he took advantage of the fact that he was a Beatle. And so he studied with the great Ravi Shankar. And then Ravi, you know, and then he, Ravi could feel the love from George, and then that whole thing happened, and then it was it was way beyond student-teacher relationship, you know. Hmm. You know, yeah. I was going to ask you, there's one cat that I've never um, asked you about, and I've been fascinated because... Uh, I, I really dig the record you're on with him. This guy Jorge Calderon. Yeah, Jorge. Yeah, is he? I mean, I, dude, how did you? Did you know him? How did you even connect with him? Man, that's another one. You know, you we're we're. I would somebody. Well, Jorge called. We we talk once in a while, and Jorge would. Uh, if, if if he were on the line right now, he would say, oh, well, this and that, and he would remember everything exactly. I, for, you know, for various reasons, cannot remember some of those days. I don't, like the inception, I don't, I don't remember where. So all I remember was that George, I mean, uh, Jorge was really close friends with my uh, beautiful close friend, uh, Paul Stallworth, the bass player. Absolutely. How is Paul doing? Attitudes. And, and, you know, Jorge was a bass player, too. But he also played guitar, Jorge, real nice guitar, and wrote songs. And um, it was a bunch of us that uh, were just really good friends. And Jorge was one of those. He, he, Jorge was, he had a beautiful feel, beautiful sound. Um, but I can't tell you where we met. I don't, I don't remember. Absolutely. No, I mean, the, the albums are fantastic. I mean, it sounds like you guys are having a good time. 
Well, I mean, if, if oh, yeah. you, I mean, you uh, at the you know putting a, a button on on the concert for Bangladesh. I mean, Cliff Lipson. You've seen the print, the the photo that he took. I mean, yeah. What is the uh, what is you know for people that are going to listen to this in fifty, seventy five years when we're long gone, you know, and our spirits remain, you know, in some form, you know, what is the most important essence? Uh, that you want people to re- to know about it from the from the musicians' point of view, from the you know from what you guys brought to the table that day. Well, I think it, it, the the uh, the fact that that George uh, knew that he had all that Beatle clout, and he knew that if he put something together to help Robbie and his hurting people people who were really hurting badly. Uh, he could get some attention and he could make some money for them. And uh, and then when we all joined George in that effort, then we all became, we all got a, a piece of that wonderful, uh, you know, I, again, it, it was it was love, you know. It was, George was reacting out of love for his friend and... Uh, and empathy for his people, his friends' people, and um, and he used his clout as a, as a as a famous person to do something yeah, really good, you know. Exactly, and and us joining him right. helped us to to be able to get in on a little bit of that. You know, we 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 all love George, and so again, you know, it all revolved around love, and uh, and to be a part of that. Uh, which was a, a part of saving some people and healing people and 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 stuff like that and it's fantastic and then uh, uh, our our guys uh, uh, photo uh, I think I I think that's you know that ought to hopefully that'll that'll bring uh, more money and uh, what what is the um, food forward. Yeah, the food forward. Food right. forward. So, yeah, no, I think it's a. It's so that's a tremendous thing right now to to feed people. That's a. We, we just got some cards. Uh, we got our Christmas card from Ringo and Barbara, and and it's uh, they're they're, you know, they've donated a huge amount of money to uh, these people, these food kitchens and stuff, uh, in our name, you know, and and they're doing that with a lot of their friends this year. Wow, you know, that's a it's a wonderful way of doing things, man. Uh, you you have got to take care of your brothers and sisters in this world. We we've got to. If we don't, it's it's we're 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 missing the opportunity to be to be something that we 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 should all that we should aspire to, to be. Absolutely, Keltner. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, hopefully, hopefully this this picture will generate uh, a lot of money, and uh, it's a beautiful picture. It it, it tells you know it, it it tells a lot of the story. Absolutely, it does. I mean, you you uh, you walked away like feeling satisfied with. I mean, like you said, you 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 kind of gave up on the idea of. I mean, you were going to take in a lot of environmental sounds while you were playing, so you kind of gave up on the idea of being able to really hear very well. Are you? 
like the recordings generally you've walked away like pretty satisfied with how it turned out i mean it was uh it was i wouldn't say oh. yeah yeah, no, I mean, uh, sonically, yeah. you know, those are those are professional guys. Those are really good guys. Those those are all cats that know what they're doing, you know. I'm just saying that when you're in the heat of it, you know, it's not... See, you got to remember, I'm not a... I've not been a, a guy that's been out on the road and, and had tremendous experience with it. I've had enough experience on the road to know that it's not easy, but... It doesn't have to be difficult either. You just have to sort of, you, you have to find your way. Uh, uh, and and so you do, and that's fine, you know. Uh, but uh, I, I come from the world of, of the studio. That's, I just... I just have always made records. I, I've not been, you know, a touring guy. <laughs> no, but I and mean, like so, Joe Cocker, you were touring with Leon. Yeah, I did. I mean, I did some tours, uh, but not nearly, you know, the amount of touring that that most of my friends uh, have done as as musicians. You know, you you this this you know, I've just been I, I was thrust into the studio and and uh, and that's where I. That's where I've just been for all these years, uh, with the occasional tour, and um, right. And so I don't have the. I don't have a lot of the, you know. I guess you could learn you, you if you've been on the road a lot. You there are certain things you learn about about the the sound and and how what you're going to do and how do you do it and how do you deal with this how do you deal with that. For me. Uh, um, I'm just used to, you know, the cushy, you know, having good headphones and good sound and 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 uh, play and go in and hear it back, you know. But playing live is like a, it's, it's just it's a huge, massive <laughs> kind of sound, and and you're, you know, see, so you have to adjust your playing, you have to adjust your hearing, and you're not going to hear it back, so you have to have faith, you know. You just do. Do your job. Do it as good as you can. There's a lot of lot of different lot of differences there. Was it uh, like that yeah, when, um, when you went with uh, when you played with Booker T and Neil Young? Well, that was a totally different thing. Um, but it was uh, it was a massive sound. Exactly. Um, and it was fun. It was really fun. <laughs> but in terms Neil, of yeah, I mean, you didn't have any of your monitors then. You were just let you were. No, I, I just played uh, because you. Got, I mean, that's part of it is the sonic nature of the environment. Like I saw Little Feet last night, and I, I'm, I mean, aside from just sort of the venue and how it was a sit down show, which I mean, Little Feet is a sit down performance. You have to be kidding me, you know. And uh, oh, the, I see. You know, and those cats were all wearing in ear monitors, and they're they played oh, their yeah. butts off. But you know what, like. There's something beautiful about that ambient sound of, I mean, that's, to me, that's part of the, you know, obviously you don't want crappy sound, but to me, when you're playing with Booker T, Steve Cropper, Neil Young, like, you want to hear everything yeah. around you. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice if you could. Uh, no, you have to go by faith. You have to go on faith. Faith. 
Yeah. You know, that that everybody, you know, you play it with Doug Dunn and Steve Crawford. Oh, my God. That's that and, and, sick. And, and then Neil just swimming, loving all of that. You know, he's <laughs> swimming around. You know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't feel like he has to lock in on anything. Uh, and and it was beautiful. It, it was just it was fantastic. It was it was one of the most fun things I ever did. Um, yeah, you know that's. And then you know the, just the opposite kind of tour of that was uh, Simon and Garfunkel old friends tour, um, where you had uh, you had real strict arrangement. And, uh, and, you know, trying to be faithful to the, to the, uh, uh well, to, to play the arrangements, of course, but trying to be faithful to the, to the, uh, the sort of, uh, vibe, overall vibe and, and not be every night ex- exploring too much. Uh, Absolutely. and, and, and yet there was a side of Paul. Who, and again, this is that thing that I'm very, very happy that I have. I, I, you know, you could read people. I've always been able to, I had that good fortune to be able to read uh, people I'm working with, uh, and uh, especially when we're playing. And, and Paul, Paul was, Paul was not a, Artie was more like, uh, don't surprise me with too many things, you know, I'm, I'm but Paul, Paul was Paul would be okay with that as long as it was, uh, you know, as, as long as it was working, you know, somehow. Anyway, I, I had a great relationship with Paul, and um, and Artie really, and uh, and and the thing that was really gratifying to me was that it was to see that all these rumors that they were going to any minute they were going to implode, you know that. Uh, Artie was going to piss Paul off and Paul was going to throw down his guitar. <laughs> None of that shit. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. They're, they're you know. In Hold the on. End, wait a minute. Wait, how the heck did... Wait, stop. For, how did you wind up being the tour drummer for that? How, how did that happen? I have. I wish I could tell you. I can't remember. There's a real obvious uh, Okay. No, that's... That, that's I, I didn't I mean just, even break that up. I mean, that's... Paul, that blew yeah, my I, mind just now. It was Paul. You know, Paul asked me. That's uh, all. Paul... Uh, uh. Paul asked me, and 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 Paul's manager at the time is Jeff Kramer, and Jeff has been a, a lifelong friend practically, and uh, and we still see him all the time. He and, and Shelley, we they were just over here the other night, and uh, so I, but I don't think, I don't think it wasn't like you know Jeff's, uh, Jeff told Paul to call me. I think, I think Paul. Uh, I can't. I can't remember exactly. Don't worry. You know, don't, don't Jake, worry. I, if I if I did Jimmy, a little research, no, I could tell you. I, I, all this, this stuff, no, I don't even need like the first. Paul, you know. No, I, uh, the the but, did you the la- the last thing we'll wrap we'll wrap this up. But I just wanted to ask you: Did you ever play? Uh, did you know Cal Jader? Yeah, I knew Cal. And Can you and, talk about uh, your relationship with him. No, I I just I just played with him in the studio. Um, I'm looking Gary at the McFarland, record right here. Yeah, Mike Michael Melvoin, dude. You, yeah, Michael Melvoin yeah. and and Gary McFarland. Uh, right. And 
I know uh, Michael Melvoin was playing, right? Gary was producing, I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right, and so so that was you know that was just uh, one of those really fun things, you know. But I never got to play with him live. Did you go see him at the Lighthouse, or would you see him with Mogul? I saw him. Yeah. I saw him a couple of times yeah. live. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff. Yeah, he, he always had real good players with him. Exactly, guys like Roy Ayers and like you know. Mongo, Willie Bobo and those cats, you know, but I mean, I mean, it's just so fascinating that you were, I mean, you're one of the only cats, maybe the only one who, who just was able to vacillate between Jack Dejeunette. Did, I don't know, you, you never, did you know Elvin? Did you ever meet Elvin before? I met Elvin. I knew Jack pretty well. No, I know that. Well, I know actually. you traded, we, you traded sandals at the goodness, golden, uh, yeah. He was, Jack was a wonderful cat and and really get to, really easy to to know and be around. Yeah, and, totally. And just beautiful Jack Deason yeah. and such a massive massive <coughs> influence on me. Massive, and my playing. yeah, baby. Uh, but uh, but Elvin, uh, I saw I met I saw Elvin so many times. <laughs> they, they were iconic <laughs> moments in my life. Wow, man. Elvin. Elvin wow. I saw Elvin all by myself, sitting, watching Train, and Elvin and Reggie Workman and McCoy Tyner. I sat right underneath the piano stool, practically, uh, because I was the first one in the club that night while they were still setting up stuff. <laughs> I and uh, I couldn't afford to bring my girlfriend, and I couldn't... Uh, and Albert was out of town, I think, and and I'm sitting there expecting this these guys to come on and play that record, my favorite things, and instead they came on, and they they were like a freight train running right through that little club. Wow! And and I'll never forget it. It it was life changing in every aspect. And anyway, wait, hold, so, wait, yeah, wait, I, just, I want Elvin to be clear. What times, what what and what? Then, yeah, and then. I met him with Charlie. I met him because Charlie, I was with Charlie Watts. Wow. And I can't remember what club we were at, but we were, we, he said hi to both of us and we sat and we talked a little bit and I, I had him sign my, the only thing I could, I could come up with was I had a vitamin box, <laughs> a little white vitamin box. Oh, and I still have it. And it says Elvin on the back. He, you know, he, he just, he he could barely it was it wasn't big enough to do a whole thing you know but i mean you're so talking just, like we're talking like in the 60s this happened well no 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 i saw him first time i guess it was in the 60s yeah but but you and charlie tracked him down like once you guys were established in your own yeah, careers th this was in the in the 70s late 70s late probably. 70s fascinating well i mean i mean it had to be I can't again, Jake. I'm useless with this stuff. No, you, no, no, no. I'm not book. asking for like first if time. If I had my book, yeah. I could give you all. This no, but it's like stuff. it's like it, it, like the fact is you saw him. Maybe '64 was the first. I mean, in that in that sort of range with train, and then like later on, you and Charlie tracked him down, and, and he had his big white teeth, and he was grinning at you. He did he know who you were? Like your name and the. In, no, I, I doubt he knew. Um, any, any, he knew who Charlie was. The Stones, uh, yeah, but and 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 uh, but uh, but Elvin was. Uh, I I don't I don't know how to talk about Elvin Jones. <laughs> El, Elvin Jones was just he was so. He he just was the the most important, one of the most important musicians in my life, and 
and and and I, and I loved I love even now uh, occasionally running across a uh, an interview with him. Mm-hmm. I loved his interviews. I could listen to him talk all the you know just but I mean to see, yeah. the fact that you got to see him just lay out and play well, yeah, yeah to see Elvin Jones play and not only to see Elvin because a lot of uh, younger players got to see him but they got to see the older Elvin right, right. and the, the Elvin with his own band and which was beautiful but man to see him come to town for the first time with with John Coltrane Reggie Workman and uh, forget about it and McCoy Tyner and where they were playing stuff that nobody had ever played before. Uh, it was, it was just mind shattering and, and so, so, uh, it, it, it changed my whole thing. It didn't matter anymore whether I was going to play on records or play rock and roll or whatever the hell I was going to play. That, stays with me all my life right to today i still when i sit down i think i think like i think elvin thought and i i sometimes think that i'm thinking like elvin when i'm playing sometimes and i'm fooling myself i don't care man that's the coolest thing i've heard man because you know most people feel that are doing that too I mean, I'm talking about the, yeah. the cats. You know, Michael Shreve is doing that. What, what yeah, you just, we all, yeah, we all exactly. did. Everybody that, 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 that got to hear Elvin, right. and especially if they got to see him. Right. Uh, In that special time. They always carry yeah. that with them the right. rest of their lives. Always. No matter what kind of music they're playing. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, Keltner, um, let's talk real soon, man. I, I just, like, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, and, uh, you know, I love you a lot, man, and, and you're, like, a very... Same right back at very, you, And uh, just keep it up, man. Keep your, keep it happening, and all the best to you and your family. Well, thank you, and, and the same back, and uh, and you, you keep it up there, too, man. Continue doing what you're doing. I will, baby. All right. All right, be cool. Okay, you yeah. too now. Bye. Bye-bye.